Stephen Ozigbo, welcome back to the African Tech Roundup, man. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to see you, Andile. Hey, out here in Accra, Ghana, doing your thing. We were talking off mic a little earlier on before um, your panel. There's stuff about you I'm constantly discovering. Like, it's not just Lions, it's not just Demo Africa. Now there's this, this highly publicized partnership you have with 500 Startups. Well, you know, the, the African narrative is one that um, you just can't stand still, right? Um, everything about this ecosystem involves so much collaboration because the value chain is long, right? Um, Demo is discovering startups, taking them, giving them global um, kind of notoriety. But Silicon Valley still has that arbitrage. They still don't understand that some of these startups are roses that grew out of concrete, right? So the, so the Geeks on the Plane tour and what it brought, what it's bringing to Africa, we started in Lagos, we're here now in Accra, we'll be in Joburg in Cape Town, is really to demystify that part of it. Um, we had the pleasure of seeing Mike Zuckerberg show up in Lagos unannounced a few months ago. And while many people were caught up in the pump and pageantry of that, for me personally, what what's that trip meant was if he can do it, so can you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And for many of the investors we bring, we know that there's been volatility. We know that there's been uncertainty. Um, we know that some of these economies have suffered all kinds of political um, situations and innuendos. But we also know that there's opportunity. So while we don't want to sit on panels and talk about the, you know, the um, political uncertainties, we want to talk about opportunity, and that's what you saw us do today. These geeks are here to seek out opportunities. So your pragmatism in explaining um, the the African tech ecosystem to lump us all together for for the sake of this this uh, for, the, for the sake of my question, your your. Your take on it, whenever we're compared to, to quote-unquote, greater or more established uh, tech ecosystems around the world, is, is your take on it is pretty much what I reference a lot of the time when I'm asked to answer, like, how are we doing? How do we compare? You know, why are we lagging behind? You know, break it down for people who haven't heard it from your lips. You know, your take on where we're at, how well we're doing in terms of progressing to becoming like a serious... Uh, ecosystem that addresses pipeline issues right from the grassroots all the way up through to hopefully successes as big as Facebook from right here on the continent. Well, how are we doing in terms of delivering on that as a continent? You've said it. Um, let's not be fooled, right? Successes as big as Facebook from Africa involves an African capital market that can IPO and keep it there. That's still, you know, a ways to go. That's, I'll leave that to my investment banker friends. I've since left that life and I'm not going back. <laughs> but the truth is, what we want to do is celebrate incremental progress and understand that while these opportunities are seemingly challenging at the start, the Africa that we know, the young Africa, the ambitious Africa, the entrepreneurial Africa, that Africa will thrive and because of its youth and because of the leapfrogging characteristic it has, it's coming up against legacy systems now around the world. You know, Europe is, is stagnating against an aged population, right? Outside of the negative isms of all of the you know, influences of immigration and things of that nature, what you find is that Africa is the youngest, most employed continent. 
And while that sounds harsh and bad, that is a huge opportunity for the future because the youth will bring that longevity, the unemployment will bring the ingenuity. So those two will spark a very, very serious time bomb. Do you have a pit, a pit interest or a pit um, uh, trend right now? I mean, I, I ask this question often enough, but um, it's always interesting to see uh, what tickles people's fancy over time. Uh, which, which trend in as far as uh, our, our taking a system and its growth are you, are you backing right now, enthusiasm-wise at least? Uh, entertainment. Entertainment is um, content is seeming very very sexy to me right now. You said that last time. Okay, so you're pretty consistent. It's only no. Guess what? My last interview with you was all of eight months ago, so it's not been that long, right? Well, I mean, in 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 tech terms, in innovation terms, a lot can happen in eight months. No, in eight eight months ago, the the the, the dollar to naira for Nollywood was shocking, fantastically shocking. And uh, it's only now looking like it's going to... It's still bad. So we're, I, I'm not even going to comment on that, right? But within this trip, coming over here with these geeks, I have reignited some conversations about global content distribution. I have reignited conversations about getting Hollywood equipment manufacturers to look at leasing opportunities in Africa. I have reignited conversations about co-production opportunities. There are conversations about making sure that African content creators can publish internationally, can get options to their stories. I have started conversations about entertainment law and helping some traditional law firms build out entertainment law practices so that people can understand the business of entertainment. So we've been doing this all behind the scenes. and. As you know me, when it all comes out, then everybody's going to be like, oh, who knew Stephen was a media mogul? Well, I just let it all out the bag now. We're working very hard behind the scenes to ensure, again, as value chain actors, that we're not just trying to make films. I'm not, you know, I don't do that. I do everything that's a business around that, that's education around that, that's empowering around that so that the players who are necessary for those nodal points in the value chain can come and play. Should Jason Joker watch his back? Well, Jason is a pioneer in his own rights, and in the, in the rights of what Iroka has done is not only have they been an export channel for Nollywood culture, African culture, but Jason has, even within the, the uh, media financing market, disrupted enough for people to see that a media, a media company can raise as much as that and do as much as that. But what that has done is it's created channels for competition and opportunity. So all the other players, I mean, Netflix is around, there are other folks around. Everybody now is looking at it. So shout out to him for, for being a pioneer in that. Yep. iFlix on its way, certainly. Shout out to you, man, Jason. You know that. Um, in, let's keep it here because uh, you probably, given your interests, you probably have um, an opinion on Kwese. And uh, look, I get accused of being an Econet fanboy. I've said this probably, and I kind of am, not just because Drive is a homeboy, but I, I think there's a trend developing around consolidation between major telcos and, uh, and content producers. And I feel like, you know, Econet kind of really has in its stable a triple threat in that they've got Kwese, they've got access to a decent-sized footprint in mobile, they've got, like, the biggest fiber w footprint through, you know, um, 
through you know their recent acquisition with Neatel and now you know they've got that going and and Quest seems positioned if if they play their cards right to to really you know exploit the situation what do you make of that trend the the potential for what we saw happen with um time warner was it at&t and, and i mean and what do you think the potential for those kind of consolidations to start happening on the continent one two quests specifically and their potential to to capitalize on their situation so when you say quest eh? i say new view right ericsson airtel new view you know econet quest eh? mtn Let's do something. Etisalat, let's do something. Tigo, let's do something. Vodafone, they've done stuff. Orange has a studio. Orange has Orange Studios that produces content. All of these telco actors, you know, are making business decisions that are fundamentally tied to what is their core business model? So who are the cash cows? And who are the other value-added services that they can use as sticky factors for their, um, for their uh, customer base? A good friend of mine said at another panel we had with the geeks last week, she said she's a member of, uh, she's a, a leader in one of the telcos, and she said, look, I'm being asked to build, you know, a, uh, a telecom platform that will provide $126 of ARPU for a $5 ARPU market, right? So what that means is if a Quesa, if a new view, all these other added services, for all the sexiness they bring, if the costs don't work, if the, the cost to the telco, right? And then cost plus, plus price, sorry, cost plus margin as price to the consumers, and then monetization schemes, and then conversion schemes. If these things don't work, they're going to come and go. And what, what we're doing is also making sure that within those models, we can still disrupt. And by disruption, I mean, let me get into Econet and talk about bandwidth compression technologies, right? Let me allow them see that, you know, through bandwidth compression, they can push more content, push more pipes. Let's talk about in-app advertising and ways where they can bring on more monetization into the channels, right? Let's make sure that content creators understand how to build kind of um, viral and sticky content, short films, you know, short sizzles, like little bloopers, those type of things, which are driving and making our mobile phones the screen of choice. So it's not really about Econet Quest at this point, more so than it is about the ecosystem participating and doing it at a cost that ensures sustainability because um, sexy is not enough when it comes to telcos. They have, they have bills to pay. So there's, a, there's a almost... A an undertone of let them try and that response. No, no, it's it's let everyone work it out, and but the economics are not as simple as it appears. Let's compete. Let's compete. Let the market benefit, right? Uh, and but I, I I started out by using the word business models because, trust me, the telcos are smart enough that if all of that made sense at a good cost structure, they would do it. But they're looking at the cost structures. They're looking at the fact that. You know, is there a ready market to pay for this? Is there a $126 ARPU instead of a $5 ARPU market? Because at that point, it starts to make sense as you move up, you know, towards it. Because they, they have data centers to run. Data centers cost money. You know, cell towers cost money. There's, there are all these, cap, you know, OPEX deals for them to do. So it, and, but I welcome the development as a content person, as a person who's 
invested in content. I welcome the development. Yeah, no, they certainly have legacy assets to sweat. They've got shareholders who are still expecting maximum value from those shares. So there's, there's a, and also in my in my interaction, my limited interaction with the the people within the existing telcos, trying to help them morph into these omni-channel giants they're trying to be. Um, there's an unfortunate gap in terms of. Uh, you know, a, a disconnect between what the market's ready for, needs, uh, at which price point. They really are trying to squeeze who they are into into a future they want to participate in, and they haven't quite figured out how. I mean, product diversification as a strategy always comes with its ups, downs, and nuances, right? But more importantly, what you find is you you are, we are victims of our own sophistication, right? We're victims of our own sophistication. I remember back in the day, when the GSM boom happened in Nigeria, I was in Europe at the time, and I was selling, or at least I was advising a company that sold ringback tones and used the little, you know, the gap when you, what would they call it, the, the caller ID ringback, where when you dial a number, that little window between when you dial and when the number starts to ring? Yep. In Europe, people were placing ads in those gaps, right? So just before the number starts to ring, an ad goes on for like, you know, three seconds or three nanoseconds, whatever. And when we were trying to bring that into Africa, we realized that even the business of voicemail was something that was not particularly lucrative for the telcos. They weren't flat out rejecting it. It just didn't make sense for them on the cost side. So they looked at a market that was not <laughs> not voicemail dependent and they said, well, if we don't have to run this, some of them even tried pilots. I think Glow tried a pilot, a few other tried, but it didn't make sense. And then the market did not come back and say, you know, we want it. Instead, what did the market do? The market used the, you know, the concept of uh, flashing, right? Where now, if you, you know, in the back in the day, you could just flash someone and they know it's almost like a morph code, right? If I flash you three times, mom is pregnant. If I flash you twice, it was a boy. Like, you know what I mean? Once get bread. <laughs> You know what I mean? So we, we turned the whole thing of a missed call into the code. Whereas in more emergent markets, even in the U.S., it's like, okay, you miss me, leave me a voicemail, right? So telcos had to make a business decision, and they did, which is why, you know, voicemails are not prevalent in many a market, but some of the markets have adopted them. And I mean, where they've been modestly successful in a place like South Africa, again, probably the closest market on the continent to mirror what's happening abroad absolutely absolutely did not expect to talk about that so that's fascinating i love it when that happens uh give me an update please on demo africa you guys have just gone bigger look last year i'm not one easily impressed by like how it all came to a head in johannesburg but man did you guys bring it on you know and now this year like with the with the road show you guys have planned, now 500 startups, you know, being ro you guys are just rolling heavy, let's just say. So how's it going? Where's it at? What can people look forward to? The demo, the demo platform, shout out to Harry Harry. He's the godfather, right? Harry is the godfather. I repeat, Harry is the godfather. I repeat, and I could go. There's a happy Harry <laughs> listening to this podcast somewhere. <laughs> so the, the thing is, this is all Harry's baby. We've just been the support cast and... Um, Johannesburg was exceptionally good to us last year, so we're coming back. Thank you. I won't have to fly somewhere else. We're coming back, and we're going to be in Joburg again. And what, it's, what it's, it has been is it's a labor of love, but a journey where we've done two years in Lagos. We did two years in Nairobi. Doing two years in Johannesburg only makes sense. 
So North Africa, we're coming for you. And what's happening is we, we want to be able to ensure that um, the ecosystems are counted, are counted for, engage, and participate. The reason why this year is bigger, and you've seen a lot of the activity from the roadshows, are we're also trying to be more inclusive. Zambia gets a play. Botswana gets a play, right? Mozambique gets a play. Let's get, I don't want to get in there and see five Nigerian startups, five startups from Kenya, you know what I mean? Not to say these ecosystems shouldn't get a play, but let's make it as Pan-African as it can be, right? So Harry and his team have been traveling nonstop, recruiting you know, evangelizing, right? You saw me do some shout-outs on stage because the truth is we want that diversity. I, for every city I'm going to be in this, this year prior to demo, I'm going to make a pit stop and talk about demo and encourage the local startups to participate. Let's do it for nationalistic reasons. Let's do it for pride reasons. Let's do it for, for market reasons. But let's make sure that um, it's as broad as it can be to represent all of Africa's entrepreneurial assets. And um, there's often criticism that uh, there's a competition culture that's an unhealthy competition culture that's brewing on the continent um, where there's, there seems to be a, gen a, a, a sort of wave of startup founders that exist for the sole purpose of like chasing grant money and winning competitions and that kind of thing. Um, how, how do you prevent something like Demo from falling into that trap of basically enabling startup founders who don't have serious intent um, and also just really uh, contributing to the problem of people thinking that startups look like what you watch when you watch Silicon Valley, you know, the, 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 the series. Um, to your audience, I must state this. I love that show. Do you love that show? I would not have expected that, though, because, you know, you've been... In, You've been immersed in the real thing. It's like I've got doctor friends who don't like, you know, like doctor show or hospital dramas and stuff. Like, you actually like Silicon Valley? I mean, as satirical as it is, I love that show. Why? If you stripped away the humor, everything in that show is factually directive towards the life and tumble of a startup. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's done with a pinch, but it's done right. That being said, let's get back to the point. The point of the matter is that you are very, very correct. We are looking for businesses. We're not looking for ideas. We're looking for traction. We're not looking for spark. We're looking for sustainability. We're not looking for quick money. So the demo design year after year gets better in you know, finessing the strategy. We're far from perfect. Um, however, because of the nature of the ecosystem itself, we know that there has to be participants from all across the board. So if you are the grantpreneur and you're coming out just looking for a buck, we welcome you, but we will also filter you out when we see you, right? Because while there's nothing wrong with you, as you found out from Dave, a lot of Silicon Google was built on the back of grants that used to be from the Department of Defense and the likes. So we're not saying that's all bad. What we're saying is when I take five companies to Silicon Valley to represent Africa, I want those five companies to be the best representatives of Africa. For the, 30 left, for the 25 left behind and for the 595 that applied, I still want to keep in touch with them. I was walking down the halls here getting hugs from all of my startups, all of the folks that we trained, all of that. 
and I'm catching up. I'm saying, dude, what's your unit? Everything I, I do in the boot camp, I'm doing on the streets of Accra, right? And they're all responding. And they're all saying, Steve, we're, we're grinding. We're at it, right? Trust me, this is a business where the average failure rate is about 95%. We all know what we're into. So if you're a grandpreneur, we welcome you. If you're an actual entrepreneur, we welcome you. If you're looking to change the world, we welcome you. If you're a social entrepreneur who's impacting lives, we welcome you. If you're a researcher that wants to take your idea and commercialize it, we welcome you. But we do have our criteria, and that's about it. Oh, wow. No, that's very well put, man. Stephen, man, always a pleasure catching up with you on the mic. And otherwise, I will definitely be looking out for, uh, for Demo Africa. We'll, we'll be searching the skies for geeks on a plane. Uh, and then, of course, just... Learning not to be surprised when we see you pop up wherever we don't expect you. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. This is the Africa that we love. I, uh, I, I have no apologies for, for the love that we show across the continent. We're not even doing close to doing enough there. There are many, of, many African brothers and sisters who are going to be listening to this in a country that I haven't touched yet. Hold on tight, brother. Hold on tight, sister. We'll get at you. We'll get to you sometime. But we're doing this, and it's... it's and, and shout out to you, man. Shout out to Andile for all the work because you're talking about seeing me. Guess what? I'm seeing you, right? You're just as guilty, man. You're just as guilty. You're, you're here. You're telling the stories. You're, you're producing this content. You're documenting history. Believe it or not, brother, this is history. You know, these are going to be like the Nixon tapes. You know, <laughs> you're going to be like, Steve, remember when? And we're gonna, we, 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 Minus the scandal. Yeah, no. We both are going to be like 90 years old, you know, hunched over, you know, with... With like water dripping out of our backs, and we're like, remember when we um, took geeks on a plane, and our grandchildren will be like, yeah, dad, there were no planes there, you know, because our grandchildren are they're they're all robots now. They, they'll be teleporting, freaking robots, and they'll be like, no, 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 grandpa, you, you couldn't have taken. What do you mean take a geek on a plane? But the, we're doing this, we're doing this, and you are you're telling the stories, you're making sure that. Your audiences are empowered by the power of your voice. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And that's the reason why I'm always happy to speak with you. So that's a kind affirmation I will take gladly. Thank you so much. So kind. And in case you had any doubt that we're actually live on location and that Accra is buzzing with excitement, well, it just got louder as, we, as, the, as, the, as the interview progressed. And I have to thank you again, man, Steve. Excellent. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot.